Welcome to The Table with Vinny and Dave. At The Table, we have authentic conversations about various topics through the lens of the kingdom and our personal experiences. So pull up a chair and join us. There's room for everyone at The Table. Yo. Hey. What's going we're, on? We're back. We are back. Episode two. Episode two. Attack of the Clones. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sue us, Lucasfilm. I wanted so bad while editing the first podcast. I was like, episode one. I just wanted to be like the Phantom Menace. I know, right? I just don't want George Lucas to come after us. Disney, Bro. don't sue us, please. George Lucas, don't sue us, please. <laughs> we don't have the money to defend against you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sweet, bro. What what's you thinking for today, man? <clears throat> Something that's been, I wouldn't want to say hounding me, but kind of hounding me has been been reading through different things and it's started with the tower of babel was mm. the concept was introduced but i was reading in acts about the idol makers and their frustration with the christians mm. and it all goes back to this let us make a name for ourselves mm-hmm. has been like rolling around in my brain like with babel yeah they wanted to build a tower to heaven to and they, they literally said let us build a tower so make a name for ourselves. Yeah. And then the idol makers in Acts were super frustrated with the Christians because they were seeing their business be suffered. And the first thing out of their mouth was like, what about us? Mm-hmm. Like these Dionysian smiths that were making these silver statues of Diana mm-hmm. were super mad at the apostles because they were seeing their pocketbook get lighter. Yep. And the Lord's just really been challenging me on, are you making a name for yourself? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to, is is it, are you trying to make a name for yourself versus are you trying to make my name? Come on. Famous? Yeah. It's good, man. It is it's good. good. It's good and it's, it's challenging because mm-hmm. I'm, as a kingdom business owner, it's a challenge to not be drawn into that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there is reward. There is gain here. But it's really easy to find myself just suckered in and sucked into this personal kingdom yeah, mentality. You know, I'm comfortable. I'm well-stocked. I'm well-resourced, which are all things that I should be looking to God for. Yeah. To be my resource, to provide the resources, to provide the, the ram in the thicket, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Versus going out on the mountain and beating the mess out of a ram myself and dragging it. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. I think too, on the other end of that, you have people who work for different businesses that start realizing like, what am I building here at the end of the day? Am I building this person's kingdom? You know, am I building this person's dream and vision? But there's a grander picture here. There's building the kingdom together with like-minded people. Yeah. I think that there's something really valuable in that when you find a collective group of people who just aren't in it for their own tower, mm-hmm. not in it for their own kingdom. And when you can gather around God's kingdom with other believers, you know, I, I believe that's like, that's how the church is supposed to operate and yeah, function. I agree. And it's crazy to see it in business too. Like I've seen it in, in businesses of the world where you have an owner or a CEO or a president that is not solely focused on getting richer, but is focused on like everything being raised. Like mm. the quality of material that they produce, the quality of lives for their employees and their families. You know what I mean? Like the production scale goes up. 
Because there's a certain trade, especially if you're working a job job, you know, you're trading your time for money. Yep. Which, you know, the Bible does call us to work and provide for ourselves and things like that. Totally. But it's a much richer experience when there's shared value, shared goal, shared worth. Everybody feels like they're a part of the team and that they're all going in the same direction. Yeah. And then especially to translate that into either ministry as a business or kingdom-minded ideas in business, that there's another layer to that, which is including the kingdom in your business if you're doing business in the marketplace, but then making the kingdom the center focus of your ministry. Because there is a, it's it, they are different. Yeah. They're different camps, but you can still be in the marketplace and be kingdom-focused. Oh, totally. There are companies out there like that. I've been fortunate enough to be a part of many. It's not even just businesses that can take on the wrong side or the, on the other side of the coin ministries can mm-hmm. yeah. be, they can be kingdom focused or they can be yeah we've all seen it yeah specifically with the the late 70s 80s televangelist movement we saw a lot of that mm-hmm. where men became powerful and affluent because of their ministry to the kingdom and you watch their shift a focus start to become on worldly things. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sad too, because I think there's a lot of millennials, you know, the actual millennials, not what boomers call millennial. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause there's a weird definition thing when it comes to millennials mm-hmm. that people don't fully understand, but it's people who were born, I think between 84 and 91 is like the mm-hmm. actual millennial. Yeah. Age. 91. Yeah. Something like that. 96. Is, is it 96? 96 is the last year for Okay, so this thing is 84 to 96. So mm-hmm. that, not quite Gen X, not quite Gen Y or Z or whatever the newer Gen, are my kids, my older kids. Mm-hmm. I digress. The point of that was a lot of millennials have been steered away from church because of the experiences in their childhoods, especially the older millennials of their parents and their grandparents in the uprising of the megachurch movement of yeah. the late 80s and the early 90s. Yeah. I think a lot of us, if we're honest, have been, as kids, went to a megachurch in one of our cities somewhere. Mm-hmm. If your parents were church shopping, if you come from a Christian home, you've been probably been to a, a city-wide megachurch. Maybe not a national megachurch, but you've been to a city, city-sized city megachurch. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that didn't come into existence until the late 80s, early 90s. It was like the advent of that. Yeah. But then what you saw as those churches became mega and more mega and more mega in this pastor led model. Yeah. People would garner power and money at the top. And it was about a bigger building and a nicer car and more people and theme theme parks and all that other (laughs) stuff. Yeah. And it soured a lot of millennials, even from the idea of God and church, because they immediately, the first thing that pops into most people's heads when you talk about church is that. But to somebody outside the church, the first thing you either think, people either think of like priests and big holy buildings with crazy accoutrements, or they think of the ones, or they think of the whole, but you know, guys on TV. Yeah. Give me your money. Give me your money. Yeah. That's been my experience with millennials. It's just been, that's the reaction I get. You know, that's what they think of when they think of church. I go to a big church. If you go to a big church, it's a guy in a white suit with white teeth and a white car. It's. Yeah, and it's changing, but are mega churches as a whole? Are they? They're not a bad thing, right? Like, I, I don't think. Where does the line get crossed? It with you I think know? it goes back to building a name for yourself. 
instead of a name for the kingdom. Mm. If if the name of, on the building or the name on the card is more important than the name of Jesus, yeah. that's where the line gets crossed. And that can happen in a church of 10. Yeah. As easily as it can happen in a church of 10,000. Yeah, it's interesting because what are we contending for? The kingdom mm. growing and people coming into the kingdom. So like, in theory, like a mega church doesn't really sound like a negative thing. If if it's for the right reasons, to me, it sounds like revival. Mm. People coming to know Jesus. And that's the that's the coin, that's the rub. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of that goes in with leadership and the type of leadership way somebody's sold out. There's a lot that goes into it's like a, it's a really complex, complicated slide into negative mega churchy stuff. Not necessarily a overnight. Yeah. Slowly transitions into an issue. Yeah. 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 I don't want to say that it's a mega churches start all mega churches are bad. They start out bad and that's the end of the the end of the line with mega churches. I think it it's more of a it's a culture thing. It's a personal devotion thing. There's just so many facets yeah. of that. And it's like a perfect storm. Right. Factoring in all those different elements, it's probably not too hard to get to that point where no, you know, when you're in charge of that many people. And yeah. anyway, this conversation took a left turn into mega churches, but <laughs> it's, it's all applicable. Yeah, it is. And I think it's not necessarily a bad thing to have a mega church. And I think it's not necessarily a bad thing to have a mega, even a media following or something like that. Yeah. I think just as much as it's not a bad thing to have a successful business. Right. Right. Yeah. We have a bad misconception in the church about that. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a poverty mentality that's been a part of the church for a long time that if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be a suffering poor person. <laughs> and if you're not, you should feel bad about it. Yeah. Tell me more about that. I think it's reactionary to the crazy lavishness of the megachurch movement, but you have a lot of people that are kind of outside of that movement or outside of your your non-denominational or more charismatic side of the church that it took this extremely opposite view. And it's always wrong to go from one extreme to the other extreme. That's yeah. not healthy. And I do know that Jesus did say things along the lines of, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And it's not a bad thing to do that. The problem is when it becomes a requirement or when if you're not doing that, you're wrong and you're not living a gospel life because you're not broke or you're working somewhere or you're, you've made money somehow and you're not just like giving every dollar of it to a charity or a ministry or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a, it all goes back to that heart posture. People have taken the idea of Jesus as suffering in the gospel. And it said, if, if you, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you'll suffer like Jesus suffered. Not even Jesus said that. He said you'll be persecuted. Mm-hmm. You'll be cursed for my namesake. You know, you'll be hated, reviled by the world. But then if scripture doesn't contradict itself, why would Paul say to make provision for yourself? Mm-hmm. Why would Paul say to provide for your family? Why would Paul say to have all things together in common if nobody's supposed to have anything? Yeah. It's take one little nugget of scripture and make an entire belief system out of it versus taking the whole thing in context. Yeah. In the New Testament. So what does it mean to build your own kingdom? To build your own tower of Babel? Something that serves you 
and your ends and your purpose and your comfort. That's what I see as building your own kingdom. Mm -hmm. Specifically something that is meant to selfishly serve your needs, your desires, your dreams, only yours. And I know, and not factoring the Lord into anything. Right. That's self-centeredness. So how do you separate that from like the Lord giving us the desires of our heart? Hmm. That Lord giving us the desires of our heart is predicated on being sold out to the Lord. For so long, I've thought, oh yeah, the Lord's going to give me what my heart is desiring. Mm-hmm. But I've come to find out it actually means to line up the desires of my heart with his, des- his desires. Mm become my desires. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's giving me what the desires of my heart. But they're different desires. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Different desires. Yeah. New desires. New desires. And Mm -hmm. that is all rooted. Where are you with God? Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to God to get the things that you want in your flesh, probably not in the best place with your relationship with God, not saying you're damned or anything, but just saying that, as you, as I've, I've noticed as I go through my walk, those things have become less important to me. The, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, we were talking thing. about it the other day with like even the clothes that we wear. Right. <laughs> the shoes we wear, the clothes we wear, the cars we drive. It's like in the beginning, yes, I was foolishly maybe hoping that the Lord would provide those things or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then as I've gotten wisdom and maturity and understanding in my relationship with the Lord, I've, I've began to see my desires change, yeah. to be molded more into the character of Christ as a person, where it's not about having nice brand new tools all the time. It's not about fresh new boots all the time. It's not about nice clothes and a nice house and a nice car. And it's about, it becomes about the things of the kingdom, yeah. the things that really matter. What am I doing to make an eternal what legacy am I leaving? You Everything know, here is just going to rust up. Where moth rust. Yeah. It's, what is it? Nothing. It's nothing. It is. Nothing. And, <laughs> and we spend all this time building these big <laughs> elaborate things that are just eventually going to be forgotten about. Yeah. Even ministries. Even podcasts. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, ministries, yeah. podcasts, media, you know. What do you think about worship? You think that will transcend into eternity? Oh yeah. Obviously we'll be worshiping when we get to heaven, but like the songs that like are mm-hmm. here and like I do. I do. I don't think that God I mean, let me back this train up <laughs> because there's something I fully believe, which is we are never more like God the Father than when we are creating. Yeah. Never. There's never a time because in his being is creative. And in in my mind, in our human experience, the very act of creation to me is the most like transcendent time when we are the most in the character of God is when we are creating something. Yeah. And that doesn't matter if you're building a house or writing a song or whatever. That creativity is like at the core of God's nature. He is a creator. Yeah. And I do not believe that the things that were created on this earth would be wasted in heaven, Mm -hmm. in a heavenly experience. I don't. I don't think there's any way, shape, or form. I totally 100% believe that the creativity that was birthed on this earth has got to be transcendent because it's one of the fundamental characters of God is that he's creative. 
Yeah. Then that, oh man, that's, that's tricky because then isn't you starting a business, isn't that you expressing yourself creatively in some sort of way? It could be. created a business. It could be. But then we could say that about anything. Yeah. I created it. So where's the line drawn? I look at when I think of when I say creative, like fully emotionally, mentally, spiritually engaged in the act of taking something that doesn't exist and making it real. Yeah. Like a song, you know, or a painting or a drawing or or writing, taking words Mm -hmm. that feel that inspiration. It's it's different when you're building something versus creating something. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, I can build a house. I'm not creating the house. The house exists. I just have to put it together. To me, worship and that kind of creativity is you're making something that doesn't exist yet. Like somebody hasn't put these words together in this way to describe God in that respect. Hmm. Super interesting thought. It is. But I think to round it all out, when it becomes about us is where where it becomes sinful when it becomes about our release or our glory or our benefit or any of those things, that name, the idea of making a name for yourself. Mm-hmm. But that concept wasn't necessarily like we want to be known. It was like we want to be powerful. We want to be affluent. We want to be an influence. We want to be seen as these mighty people. We have know? to get over ourselves, honestly. Yeah. Can't be about us. Can't be about me. No. It's got to be about him. It's all it can be about. And anything else is just, I hate to say it, but it's grasping at straws. All this stuff is finite. I can tell you times in my life where I thought something was about him and it was really about me and I don't do that thing anymore. (laughs) Yeah. No? Yeah. We even had a ministry that we did really early on that was more about works that, look at how Christian I am. I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And that thing doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Because it wasn't really for God. It was for us. It was for... Yeah. And it's funny because... I think a lot of that is driven out of not trusting the Lord. Mm. Yeah. A lot of that's like fear-based when it comes to finances, I think. And just like basic, even basic necessities can drive us to make things about us and not him. But on the other side of that coin, it's not seeking our own well-being that he provides for us. And it's actually seeking his kingdom and all of these things will be added unto you. Mm. So honestly, at the end of the day, the most beneficial thing that we can do for ourselves to seek the is kingdom. to seek the kingdom. Yeah, it's true. And you it goes what? beyond just basic necessities at that point. Oh, yeah. I think that the, the, I was lost my train of thought on that. I was going to bring it back around to the idea that when you're seeking provision for self, when you're seeking provision for the things that you want, the those things, the desires are not even necessarily pure in the kingdom. Yeah. And then as time wears on, it's almost like those things get removed from you and you desire the kingdom's yeah. provision. Yes. Amen, dude. That's how I've seen it. You have to establish this trust with the Lord that he's true to his word, that right. he is going to provide for you. He is going to take care of you. He is going to give you everything that you need. And honestly, man, I'm at a point in my life where I can't afford to try to provide for myself anymore. No. Yeah. I'm over it. I can't do it. No, because I've done it for years. To the point where I'm taking major leaps of faith. Yeah. To not even know where my 
financial stability is going to come from, but I know that it's going to come from him. Yeah. And I'm trusting him on it. I'm doing my absolute best. You're doing a great job, man. Thanks, bro. Seriously, you're doing a great job. Thanks, dude. Like, I definitely admire that about you and your family. We're going to do this with God or we're not going to do it at all. I did the same thing with the business, leaving. It's the first time I've left the comfort of a job in my entire adult life. Yeah. Like a nine to five, someone else handling everything. Someone Because the Lord told me to do it. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to come of it, but I know it's not making me rich. Yeah. Not really. It doesn't need to, man. No. I'm realizing that more and more. We have friends who have money mm. that are absolutely miserable. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's sad. It doesn't, it doesn't satisfy. Mm. It just doesn't satisfy. Yeah. Like my wife, Jackie, and I, we've been, just being vulnerable, we've been in a rough state financially. But since we've been on the same page, seeking Jesus together, seeking his kingdom, we haven't been more satisfied, mm. even in seasons where we had an excess of money. Mm. Yeah. We are like so much happier right now, dude. Mm-hmm. Like so much, bro. It's crazy. Because you're not worried about the money. You're worried about what the Lord's telling you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's the that's the rub, right? Yeah. What is the Lord telling you to do? And I don't think it means necessarily to be ignorant to the fact that we need to pay our bills. No. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> but there's, there's a peace that surpasses mm. understanding yeah. when you're seeking the kingdom where you're just like, okay, because I can rely and trust on the Lord. Yeah. I am being aware of what he's saying mm. and the strategies he wants to use to provide for us. Mm. I'm not just being oblivious to right. strategy from yeah. the Lord, but I want it to be in his will. And if he says, hey, man, guess what? You don't need this thing over here anymore. Mm. Being willing to let go of things yeah. and just full out really trust him. Yeah. And it can be scary if I'm... It's, it's scary. <laughs> Trust me. We, we're in a, we're in a season, very similar season. The only I've been the... My work has been the stability of our home for a long time. Since we were doing better and married, obviously, for the drug past. I know if anybody that follows Chris Delicia knows our story. But from health to now, to the past year, the bulk of the provision of our household was on my like the big ones were paid on my check like the rent the the car the all the big bill your health insurance and all that stuff i carried all that stuff and now we don't have that yeah that's not there anymore that's not and it has been probably one of the most challenging seasons of my life because i'm not stable in the way i was stable that i craved stability but realizing that the stability that i craved was not stability but it was control yeah. Because I grew up in a household where I had no control and we were very poor and things were very uncertain mm. and things were very rocky a lot of the time I financially. Yeah. And then realizing that my absolute obsession to work and to provide and to have stability was not rooted in anything healthy of the Lord, but rooted in fear and control because I did not want to be in that place again in my life as an adult with my kids. Yeah. And we can, that's all kinds of vows and stuff that could go through a different time. But saying like, listening to the Lord to tell me to step out in faith and to leave the security of something that was such a big, like security blanket for me for a lot of years. Yeah. So much so that it defined my identity. Like I was what I did. 
I wasn't a follower of Christ. And this year has made me like put me on my knees in that respect. Yep. So I'm, good, dude. I'm dependent. What you have to come to the realization that it is not as scary to have these securities and everything and let them go mm. than it is to be outside of the will of God. Yeah. That's where you should be more freaked out. Yeah. Seriously, that scares me more now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. And I had to learn by falling on my face outside yeah. of his will over and over and over again. Yep. Totally. It's crazy how that happens. It's his grace, honestly, dude. It is. There was something I thought about it and it just re- I just remember what I was going to say. Talking about doing things that God calls us to do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we are not doing the things that God's calling us to do and to, to be doing the things that we f- feel like we want to be doing for God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a matter of going back and saying, okay, Lord, did you actually tell me to do this thing? Or did I believe that you told me to do this thing because I wanted you to tell wanted, me to do this thing? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I have to revisit. If I feel like I'm struggling in an area, it's almost, I need to revisit the last place, the last signpost. And for me, it was, I was getting words of knowledge about being an entrepreneur and owning a business. And I ignored them for four years, three years. Hmm. No, four years. And continued to work and didn't take them seriously. Because, and it wasn't, and it was, I don't want to do that. I'm not an entrepreneur. It's not me. I'm not one of those guys. Mm-hmm. But I'm seeing now that the Lord is using this business to teach me things I never would have learned if I hadn't left. Stewardship ideas, honor ideas, those things that were all taken care of for me on the on the back end because I had an employer mm-hmm. who handled all of the rigmarole of actually running a business. And now I'm starting to see like different parts of God's character firsthand by doing construction, residential, residential construction, but by doing it, I'm experiencing things that if I had just continued to work, I never would have experienced them that way. Yeah. Or I never would have learned that lesson or I never would have felt that sting or that pain or that whatever. I never would have had that awesome prayer or breakthrough or glory if I had just continued to ignore the thing that God was telling me to do or, or nudging me to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I laid, when I laid the groundwork for the business, it was very much like in the beginning, still seeking after and craving that stability of, and that control to the end of the year being like, I'm just sold out. I'm literally like not even bidding right now. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, if a job comes up and the Lord tells me to take it, I'm going to take it. That's where <laughs> right. I'm at with it. Yeah. And here's the thing is, is when I stopped doing all that and worrying about all oh, the next job and setting this up and setting that up, from that point that I, about halfway through the year, actually sold out to that idea. Yeah. I haven't been dead. I haven't been not busy. Come on, bro. Because I'm just listening to the Lord. If the Lord says no, I say no. If the Lord says see him, I say see him. Like, literally, like my wife got me this, best gift I've gotten in a long time. She got me this compass and the compass on it, the North says God. And it says God's path on the box. Mm. And she said, it's a reminder to remind you when you're navigating through all this stuff to always follow God's path. So good. And it's, man, so good. I want to be a kingdom business and all that fun stuff, but it's like, I've got to get to a point that I trust the Lord for my provision that I'm not trying to build something for myself to, to escape my childhood or to escape my past or to escape 
my fear. So you said that you go back to the last thing you heard the Lord speaking to you or the last sign or mm-hmm. or prophetic word. Mm-hmm. Now, even those, I, some some of us have a challenging time discerning and really hearing like, what is the Lord saying through, even through signs? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. how do we know we're not taking a sign and even shifting that based off of our own. It's fair. I, I, yeah, I do. But I, my challenge to that would always goes back to fruit. If the thing begins to seed and bear fruit, real fruit, not like I made money, but yeah. like actual kingdom fruit. Yeah. Then I would say you're on the right path. It always goes back to fruit, man. It's weird mm. how it happens, but That's Jesus good, Jesus yeah. says you'll know it by its fruit. You'll know a tree by its fruit. A bad tree cannot bear bad, good fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Yeah. And it's like, even if I get into something with the Lord that I think is of the Lord and I follow the wrong path or I do, I miss, at some point, usually early in the line, you'll see if it's bearing fruit. Yeah. And two, I think if our heart's in the right place. Yeah. And we're, but we truly are being as faithful to the Lord as we yeah. can be. He'll honor that. I agree. And he'll, he's a good shepherd and yes. he'll pull us back into the, the path that he set for sure. us. Well, our, our overseer, Yuri Hirschberger, shout out to Yuri if you ever listen. He has a really good illustration about specifically m- maturity and God's will. And if you look at us as, as natural parents, our goal is to get our children making wise, healthy, independent decisions. Apart from having to ask us every second of every day how to do something. Like potty training. You want your child to go to the bathroom alone. You don't want them to constantly be saying, do I go to the bathroom? How do I go to the bathroom? And have you go in there every single time and show them how to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Maturity in the Lord and maturity in the Lord's will is not a paint by numbers plan. It is God as a father having enough of a relationship with you to trust you to make mature, wise kingdom-oriented, God-oriented decisions. That is the goal of parenting. Mm-hmm. So if God is our parent, our father, his goal with us is not to get us to follow his game board of his will to get us to the end of the game. Yeah, It is literally to get us to a point in maturity and love and character and identity to know him so well and be so connected to him that the things we're doing, the decisions we make, we don't have to siphon them. And that takes time. Yeah, totally. And I think as a parent, you you do want your children to grow and being able to make decisions themselves, but you don't want to lose connection Correct. with them. So I think at that point, the conversation just changes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not do, it's, hey, you might not want to do that. Yeah. Sure that's wise? Or maybe, hey, what are you up to? Yeah, not yet. Exactly. God saying, hey, what are you guys doing down there? What's up? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm a part of this. What are you guys doing? Yeah. And that's maturity in the Lord and with the Lord's will. Yeah. That's how I see it anyway. And I think it's really wise to say that. I think it's really like a wise thing to live by because then you start to have faith and trusting your relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And that comes out of knowing him. Yes. It really does. Like, you can't just. It's not blind. Yeah. It's not blind. There's at all, which it, takes time to grow in your relationship and establish that with the Lord. And even at the end of the day, I, I'm totally like, just for the sake of wanting to be with him mm-hmm. and including him in everything, yeah. I'm still going to go to him. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. That's the point of it. Yeah. Is that it doesn't, no, it no longer becomes this desperate 
search for the will. I do, Lord. Yeah. It becomes, Lord, thank you for letting me do this thing. Thank you for partnering with me. Thank you for, in your will, allowing this thing to happen in my life. Or if it's a, if it's a slip up, it's going back to the Lord and say, I tried this thing. It obviously wasn't in your will. What do I do? Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to try it this way. And it's that, it's a relationship. Yeah. Because I think God's more about the relationship than he is about the the doing of it anyway, the doing part of it. Mm -hmm. It's, It's just, there's so much in that, so much packed into what we were just talking about. Another healthy tool that we have is being in relationship with other believers. Yeah. If you have the right kind of people in your life, the right mature kind of believers in your life, even if they're mature, it doesn't matter. It's either you're, there is, we're all on the road to Emmaus. Some of us are walked a little further ahead. Some of us are a little behind, but it didn't, we're all on the same road. Yeah. There's not a hierarchy in this thing. Yeah. Part of my testimony is the Lord freeing me from drug addiction. Mm. And there was a point where I was walking, oh man, I was walking so much in my own will that I couldn't make decisions for myself anymore. Mm. And I couldn't trust myself either Mm. to make my own decisions. I had been walking in my own will for so long that I didn't know the will of God in my life. And God used community and connection and other people for me to to hear from him. Yeah. And there was literally a point in my relationship with the Lord where I was just going to other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, I don't trust myself to make any decisions. What do I do? I know you hear from the Lord. What do I do right <laughs> How now? How do I handle this? Yeah. Oh, I get it. No, I get it. Because it gets like that sometimes. There's seasons where I have to turn over my will, my idea, my everything just because I don't think I trust myself with yeah. it. Yeah. And dude, that's probably a good gauge to like know when we're actually hearing from the Lord. Going back to, am I just walking in my own will right mm-hmm. now? And if you can be honest with yourself in those situations where you think maybe a lot of this could just be selfish. Yeah. That could be an opportunity to go and ask somebody else, hey, what do you think God is saying about this situation? Mm. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good. It's wise. With everything you get, get wisdom. Mm-hmm. Sweet. That was a good conversation. That was a good conversation. I'm really glad everybody got to join in with us on it. It's a great conversation. Yeah. Really yeah. hope it edifies you guys. I hope it. I hope this is an encouragement. We hope that the table was an encouragement to you guys. Yeah. At the end of the day, I, I would love for what these conversations to to help other people and yeah, you know, you guys become like family to us. We mm. want to. At the end of the day, we want to help you. I want yes. you to be able to come around the table with a couple of normal dudes who are right. seeking the kingdom. So, <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. We need more of us out there. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Join in next time. Thanks so much for joining us. Please remember to share this show with your community and encourage everyone to come and listen in on the conversation. Follow us on social media and give us a like and review wherever you consume your podcast and other media. Until next time, be blessed. Be a blessing. And remember, there's always an open seat for you at the table.